with the great series we've had on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is the ultimate teacher. It's been so great to delve into his words. Study has changed me, as I hope it has you. It's been so good for me to, uh, that I'd really like to start all over again. I'd really like to just preach through the whole Sermon on the Mount again. But the plan after Easter is to do a short study on the Old Testament book of Ruth. Because today we conclude our message series with Jesus' conclusion of his sermon. So please turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 24. Listen to these words of Jesus. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Let's pray together. Now in these precious few moments we have, Lord, we pray that your word, these words that Jesus said all those years ago, would come alive today through the power of the Holy Spirit. We would learn and grow be challenged and changed. In Jesus' name, amen. I can remember vividly this event as a kid when I was in the third grade. We lived in a trailer in a small town of Lanark, Illinois. My stepdad managed the gas station that was just down the street. It was all full service back then, if you can remember that. I used to love to go and service the cars to fill the tank and to get the change, to wear the coin belt thing, remember that? And you could press the little buttons down to get the change out. I can remember one of the customers complaining that the gas price had gone up to 50 cents. Well, one summer evening, the weather turned really bad. And before you knew it, the tornado sirens in our small town were going off. And if there's one place you don't want to be in a tornado... It's in a trailer. So we went outside. I can remember watching the tornado because it was still a ways outside of town. We ran over to a neighbor's house that had a basement. But instead of all of us going down in the basement, we just all stood outside and watched the tornado. It never made it to town, so I guess the adults there knew that it was safe for us to watch it. So why isn't it safe to be in our trailer during a tornado. Because it has no foundation. There's almost nothing holding it to the ground. If the tornado had come our way, the trailer would have just ended up to be debris. It's not safe to be in a building with no foundation during a tornado. It's dangerous to not have the right foundation for a building, for a life. That's exactly what Jesus is teaching us today. Will we be wise and build the foundation of our lives on the rock, or will we be foolish and build the foundation of our lives on the sand? 
Today, as we look at Jesus' concluding illustration of his sermon, we're going to compare and contrast two builders, the wise and the foolish builder. The end of Jesus' message has four comparisons. He leaves no middle ground. There There are two alternatives. He's trying to help us see clearly the truth. He's trying to help us make the right choice. He's trying to direct us to him. See, there's the narrow way and the wide way. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. But the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. See, there's a true teacher and a false teacher. Jesus said, you'll recognize them by their fruits. There's a true confession and a false confession. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And now there's the wise builder and the foolish builder. The wise builder is a Christian. The one who has his life's foundation built upon the rock of Jesus Christ and his word and his work. The foolish builder is that pseudo-Christian. Not the real deal in the heart. He says, foundation of his life is built upon the shifting sands of the world. What Jesus is doing here is warning us. He's challenging his followers to examine the foundation of our lives. So first, let's look at the similarities. Let's examine the comparison between a genuine believer and a pretend believer. How are they the same? The first is that they have the same message. The same message. The beginning line for both the wise builder in verse 24 and the foolish builder in verse 26 are exactly the same. Everyone who hears these words of mine. Both people are willfully under the teaching of Christ. Both have heard the gospel. Both know the way of salvation. One commentator said, professing Christians, both the genuine and the spurious, often look alike. You can't easily tell which is which. Both appear to be building Christian lives, for Jesus is not contrasting professing Christians with non-Christians who make no profession. On the contrary, What is common to both spiritual house builders is that they hear these words of mine. So both are members of the visible Christian community. Both read the Bible, go to church, listen to sermons by Christian literature. The reason you often can't tell the difference between them is that the deep foundations of their lives are hidden from view. The real question is not whether they hear Christ's teaching, but whether they do what they hear. Only a storm will reveal the truth. You see, both builders hear the same message. And both builders have the same desire. The same desire. They want the same things. They want to build a house. They want a place for their families. They want to be connected to Jesus. They want God's blessings on their lives. They want peace and comfort. They want to live a good life. They want morality. They want kindness and generosity. They want what Jesus has to offer. And they want to be around people who want what Jesus has to offer. There's a lot of overlapping interests in the same things. They also both build the same kind of house. The same house. The implication in this passage is that their houses are pretty similar. The only difference 
that Jesus makes between the two houses is their foundation. Outwardly, their, their houses look a lot alike. You know, the doors, the windows, the frame, the siding, all the same. The same design, the same pattern. Everything above the surface looks alike. But everything below the surface looks completely different. See, from all appearances, the wise man and the foolish man appear to be very much the same. They're both religious and orthodox and moral and church attenders and responsible citizens. They both look alike, they both live alike, and they're, by their outward appearance, it looks like they even believe alike. Like the false prophets, right? In sheep's clothing. Or the false confessor who says, Lord, Lord, so is the foolish builder. They look like the real deal. Their external superficiality is the, is the same to the wise builder. But oh, there are major differences. Lastly, they also had in common the same storm. The same storm. The implication here is not only were they building the same kind of house, but they were building in the same general location. The same storm hit them. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on their houses. One commentator said, Our Lord says that everything we build in this world, everything that we are relying upon, every preparation that we make, our whole view of life is going to be subjected to tests. He pictures the tests in the form of rain descending and floods coming and winds blowing. It is something universal. It is something that is going to happen to the wise and the foolish alike. Nowhere does the Bible tell us that immediately when you become a Christian, all of your troubles end. That the remainder of the story is all lived happily ever after. Nothing of the kind. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew on the one house, just as they did upon the other. The whole of humanity is subjected to these tests. Every single human, you and me, without exception, will be tested by the storms of life. Our lives will be tried by the storms of life. You can go into church after church after church, and you'll look around and you'll see similar people. People from all outward appearances that seem to be the same. But as we heed Jesus' warning from this passage... There's a major difference between a genuine believer and an imitation believer. It's not often immediately noticeable. Both people have built their houses to stand. Both people build their lives to stand. But one person's foundation is on the rock, Jesus Christ, and the other person's foundation is on himself. One person's trust is in the Lord, and the other person's trust is in himself. They both have the same message, the same desire, the same house, the same storm. All of these similarities are there to heighten the differences. All of these comparisons are there to intensify the contrast. See, the point of this passage isn't how they are alike, but how they're different. It's how the wise man and the foolish men are dissimilar, how they're unalike that matters. So how are they different? First, they have a different response to the message. They have a different response to the message. It's clear from the passage that they heard the same message. And not just any message, but the very words of Christ. 
The word mine is emphatic in the Greek. In the Greek, you can mix up normal word order to, to put the, a word first to show emphasis. And Jesus did that here, put the word mine first. He's emphasizing that the message that both builders have received were his words, his teaching, his instruction. The wise man hears Jesus' words and does them. The foolish man hears Jesus' words and does not do them. A fundamental difference between a genuine believer and a pseudo-believer is real, substantive obedience. A true believer's life is marked by obedience and submission to the word of God. A false confessor's life is marked by disobedience and dismissing the words of Christ. Again, as always in the Bible, obedience is the evidence of true belief. It is the indication of a true trust. It is the mark of true allegiance. Obedience to Christ is an expression of our love for him, of our connection to him, of our following of his leadership and lordship in our lives. We obey because we love. If you know Jesus wants you to do something and you are not doing it, you see, the problem just isn't that you're being disobedient. The problem extends much deeper than that. It means that you love yourself more than you love Christ. It means that you want what you want more than you want what Jesus wants. It means that you're the Lord of your life and not Jesus. It means that at the heart level, you want selfishness more than you want righteousness. It's always about the heart. Always. One commentator wrote, the mark of true discipleship is not simply hearing and believing, but believing and doing. The true disciple of Jesus Christ, the only true converts of the gospel, are those who are doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a, a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. James 1, 22 through 24. So in other words, a person who professes to know Christ but does not obey Christ has no lasting image of what this new life is all about. He hears it. He samples the gospel. He glimpses Christ but never becomes a true disciple of Jesus. The point of true belief is not simply hearing and believing, but believing and doing. This is taught throughout the Bible. How can the old pass away and behold, our lives all become new and nothing change? And there be no obedience. It's not possible. The Apostle John writes in, 1 John 2, 3, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. One of the ways we know we have truly come to know Jesus, if we have truly become a disciple, if we have truly confessed him as our Lord and Savior, is that we keep his commandments. From a changed heart, we desire to grow and to keep his commandments. We hear the words of Jesus and do them. 
Listen again now to this verse in its context. To feel the weight of John's teaching. 1 John 2, 3 through 6. It says, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his words, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. I've said it many times. I'll say it again. Salvation is not just a transaction. It's a transformation. If there's one thing, one line you remember from all of my preaching, that's the line. That's the line I hope you remember. Because far too long, in our Christian circles, we've treated salvation as a mere transaction. Just say the right words. Just pray the right prayer. But if what comes from our lips isn't from our hearts, if what comes from our lips isn't the inauguration of a life being transformed by the Holy Spirit to the glory of Jesus Christ, then we have to evaluate whether we actually meant what we said. Because salvation is not a transaction. It's a transformation. Our moment of salvation launches us down the road of obedience and worship and transformation by the word of God to the glory of Jesus Christ. Do not merely listen to the word, James said, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do you want to obey Jesus? Evaluate your heart. Are you striving to obey him out of a deep love for him? Evaluate. Do you count it a privilege to obey Jesus Christ? Evaluate. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Another difference is that they had a different heart in their desire. A different heart in their desire. Because these points overlap with each other, I've already talked about this a little bit. It's clear that God wants our obedience. He commands our obedience. He holds us accountable to obeying his word. But 1 Samuel 16, 7 teaches an important truth. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't look at the way he looks on the outside or how tall he is, because I've not chosen him. For the Lord does not look at things the way man looks at. Man looks at the outside of the person, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord evaluates our obedience by our heart. The focus with him is always the heart. It's always inside out. The two builders desired a lot of the same thing, but the big difference was their heart. The foolish man heart doesn't want to follow the rules. There are certain guidelines on how to build a house. He knows them. He doesn't want to follow them. It's against building code to build a house on the sand. Why? Because a house built on sand is unstable. He ignores the common, understandable rules, and he builds it anyway. The wise man, on the other hand, wants to know what is right. Wants to know the right way to do things. He, he listens to instructions. He wants what's best and right. A foolish person builds her life ignoring God's direction, rejecting his instruction. God has given us a building code. He's given us his word. 
And we are fools to build our lives ignoring his teaching. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. A wise person builds their life hearing and doing the words of Jesus. The foolish man's heart doesn't think about the possible outcomes. He doesn't evaluate the eventualities of his decision. He's just living in the moment. He just wants what he wants. His opinion is his guide. He never evaluates. Now, how you know might happen to, to my house if I build it on the sand and the storm comes? He probably got advice. Hey, be cautious. You got to think, is it really wise to build a house on the sand? Foolish person builds his life on his own opinions, on what he thinks is best, on what he wants. Proverbs 28, 26 says, Those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. See, the wise person seeks wisdom. He evaluates the present and eternal outcomes, and he humbly submits his opinion to God's truth. You could go on and on and on with examples. The point is clear. The foolish life builder is about fulfilling the desires of his own heart. The wise life builder is about a change of heart so that he desires to be a person after God's own heart. The next difference is that they have a different foundation for their house. A different foundation for their house. This is a glaring difference in the passage, right? One builder puts his foundation on the rock. The other builder puts his foundation on the sand. The strength of any building is its foundation. So what does the rock foundation represent? The word rock here doesn't refer like to a a stone or to a boulder, but to a great outcropping, a, a large expanse of bedrock. The rock is solid and stable, unmovable. You know, God is referred to many times in the Bible as a rock. In Psalm 18, verse 2, 31 and 46, it says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. For who is God beside the Lord? Who is the rock except our God? The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be the God, my Savior. Our sermon in a sentence says, 1 Corinthians 3.11, For no one can lay a foundation other than what is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He alone is our rock and our foundation. But the rock foundation, especially in this passage, refers back to these words of mine. Jesus' words are the rock foundation for a true believer. The Bible, its truth, its teaching, its doctrine is the rock foundation for building your life upon. See, by contrast, the sand is loose and unstable and easily shifting. A life built on sand is a life built on your own words. The sand foundation is shifting and and moving with with human opinions, with so-called knowledge, full of prideful attitude and a defiant will. The sand foundation of life is focused on self, self-satisfaction, self-will, self-righteousness. It's all about me. Oh, the building might look the same. 
But the foundation is so very different. Is the foundation of your life built on you? For you? About you? Or is the foundation of your life built on him? For him? About him? In a parallel passage in Luke 6, Luke describes another time that Jesus shares his message and he describes the wise builder as one who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock and the foolish builder as just building his house on the ground without a foundation. It's so much easier to build a house without a foundation. You see, a proper foundation for a building requires time and effort. Jesus said earlier in this sermon, the narrow way to life is hard. 11 miles off the coast of Scotland in, in the North Sea stands the Bell Rock Lighthouse. It has endured the ferocious onslaught of the North Sea's violent storm since 1811. It rests upon less than one acre of solid rock. The small reef is covered by seawater 20 hours of every day. The builder of the lighthouse, Robert Stevenson, and his band of 65 uh, skilled artisans had only four hours each day to chink away the stone and to put their foundation on the rock. As a result of this painstakingly difficult and patient work, the 115-foot-tall lighthouse is still in use today. So listen, right? Putting your life on the right foundation takes work, sacrifice. If you want a life of comfort, filled with a blindness to what is real and what is true, filled with hearing the words of Jesus but not doing them, then you must realize that you're building your life with no foundation at all. You have no hope when the storms of life come. But if you do the hard work of digging down deep and laying the foundation of your life on the rock, the foundation of Jesus Christ, the rock of his work and his word, then you have everlasting stability and hope because of him. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 9, 23-25. Jesus said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? See, the daily Christian walk is not a life of ease, but a life of surrender. It's not a life of selfishness. It's a life of selflessness. It's not a life of doing what I want, but doing what he wants. It's not a life of fulfilling my purpose and plan, but fulfilling his purpose and his plan. So evaluate the foundation of your life. Is it on the rock of God and his word? Or is it on the sand of your own making and pleasures? The last difference is the different result in the storm. The different result in the storm. The same storm hits their lives. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on their lives. The life built on the rock withstood the storm. It endured. 
The life built on the sand fell. And great was its fall. It did not endure. Is there any more sobering truth this morning than building a life that doesn't endure? On October 19, 2010, a test was conducted at the Institute for Business and Home Safety in Richburg, South Carolina. Researchers constructed two 1,300-square-foot houses inside a $40 million laboratory and then observed how a simulated hurricane would impact these homes. The first home was built according to conventional standards. The second home included reinforcement straps that connected every level of the building from the foundation all the way up to the roof. When the researchers turned on the giant fans, creating gusts of wind up to 110 miles per hour, equal to a a Category 3 hurricane. In the first two experiments, which lasted under 10 minutes, both homes survived the intense winds. But when they tried the third experiment, turning on the fans for more than 10 minutes, the conventional home began to shake and then collapsed. In contrast, the home with the floors and roof reinforced to the foundation sustained only cosmetic damage. Tim Reingold, an engineer working on the experiment, summarized the results with this pointed question. The bottom line you have to ask yourself is, which house would you rather be living in? Which house would you rather be living in? Which life would you rather have? A life whose foundation is built on the rock of Jesus Christ and his word? Or a life whose foundation is built on the shifting sands of this world? Folks, one stands. One endures. And the other falls. I know how great is its fall. You see, beloved, having the proper foundation in life is hard. It takes effort and sacrifice, obedience, and trust. But it's the best. As a matter of fact, there is no better life on planet Earth than a life lived, built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and His Word. As a matter of fact, there is no better life on planet Earth than a life lived for the glory and the purpose of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, there is no better life given to man on Earth We can live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Not only does our life building upon the rock help us best endure the storms of this life, but also the inevitable storms of the ultimate storm, our death and judgment. The ultimate storm that comes in each of our lives is a storm of death, the reality that one day, We are all going to stand before God and give an account for our lives. How are you going to endure that storm? How are you going to stand on that day? Only by having a foundation of your life secured to the rock, to Jesus, who he is, to what he has done. Think. Evaluate. Look deep. Serious, somber. Evaluate your foundation. Are you a genuine believer? 
Or are you a pretend believer? Let's pray. Father, we can't thank you enough for these powerful words of Jesus. They challenge us. His amazing teaching both comforts us, both brings us to our knees in thanksgiving, thanking Jesus so that we could be on his rock, have a foundation for a life that endures now and endures on the day of judgment. And Lord, in this somber moment, as the Spirit applies these words of Christ to our lives, perhaps thanksgiving isn't what's coming out. Perhaps remembering and and cherishing a life of devotion and sacrifice to Christ isn't what's bubbling out of your spirit. But instead you're feeling conviction. Instead you're feeling questions. Instead you're wondering, is that me? I've been coming to church for years. I've been talking about Jesus a lot. But have I really surrendered? Have I really given my life? Have I really looked Jesus square in the face and said to him, you're my Lord. I'm going to follow you. What you say, I will do. Was the spirits challenging? Perhaps in this moment, you want to say that. Perhaps in this moment right now, you want to just be honest and say, my foundation is me, but not anymore. Not at this moment. At this moment, I'm going to choose Jesus Christ. At this moment, I'm going to change. So admit. Admit your sin. Admit your inability to save yourself. Admit your pride. And then believe. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. From your own words now, from your own heart, just let it overflow to Jesus that he died for you, that he rose again, and you believe him and you Love them and you want them to be your rock, your fortress, your eternal life. Repent and turn from your sins and turn to your Savior. Then confess him as your Lord. Confess him as a leader of the life. Confess him as your foundation. Confess his word and his will as the joy of your life. Confess him today. Now if today in these somber moments, these these spirit moments, if that's exactly what God has been doing to you, to call upon him anew and afresh, what I'd like you to do is to talk to me. Take that step of obedience and reach out to me or to Pastor Rob. Reach out to a, a Christian friend next to you. Reach out so we can help you move along in this process of building a life. Its foundation is Jesus Christ. How firm is your foundation? We thank you so much for your word, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.